philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche once said, I'll believe in a redeemer when Christians start to look a little bit more redeemed. A similar quote was made by Mahatma Gandhi, where he said, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. Possibly the biggest argument against the existence of God is the fact that the followers of God don't look like their lives have been changed. Has your life been transformed by your belief in Jesus Christ? If someone was to hear you tell your, your story of your, of your past history and compare that with who you are today, would that become undoubtable evidence of the existence of God? So often when we think about how salvation works, we have this simplistic understanding that we live here on earth and if we are good, if we follow the rules, one day we'll get to heaven. As I've been trying to say in the last few episodes, the story's a little bit more complicated and a whole lot more beautiful. In the beginning of the Gospel of Mark, Jesus says, I've come to tell you the good news. And the good news is that the kingdom of heaven is in your midst. And then he says, repent and believe the good news. This is the key line to understand the whole of the story. God has come to us. It's not about us striving and working really hard to leave behind this sinful earth to get to the pure sanctity of heaven, but rather it's about God leaving the pure sanctity of heaven to come and transform this broken earth. God comes to us into our midst and he then pursues us. He, he works healing to cast out the evil of sickness. He casts out demons. He works deep healing, physical, emotional, psychological, basically trying to cast out all the horrible side effects of evil in our world. God is trying to bring heaven to earth. And so the question is, has God brought heaven into your heart? If someone was to compare you to everyone else that you work with, would they see a difference? Or would they still see the chaos of evil raging within you? The jealousies, the greed, the lust, the anger, all of these vices, are they still dominating your life? When you look at the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5 and chapter 6, and I seriously encourage you to pick, the book, pick your Bible up today and, and look at this. The classic way to look at this is, here is another big pile of commandments. The first lot of commandments in the Old Testament were hard enough, and now Jesus just raises the bar. Now you have to love your enemies. Now you can't even look at another person without becoming convicted of adultery. And this just looks impossible. How on earth can we ever jump over this hurdle? How can we ever reach the heights of sanctity when Jesus seems to be raising the bar again and again? But I want to encourage you to look at the Sermon on the Mount a little bit differently. What if this was not another series of commandments? 
but rather this was a vision of what life could be if God was able to truly take over your heart. If the kingdom of heaven was able to enter into your soul and cast out all the chaos of hell that rages within us, we could then live in peace. And so once again, have a good look at the Sermon on the Mount because Jesus goes through and picks out all the, all the key vices that become the source of this chaos and rage within the world. Anger, lust, pride, vanity. Going through again and again, you know, what would your marriage look like if there was no lust? If you could truly love each other without shame or fear of being manipulated, of being used, of being treated just as an object, what would it mean to be truly loved? And, and to be able to look at someone and gaze upon their beauty and rejoice and worship God for that beauty without there having to be the fear of ever becoming tainted or sinful? What if you could live free from fear? The fear that causes us to either run away or explode in rage. What if you could just stand your ground, know who you are, and speak with confidence? What if you could go through the world without having this crazy madness of avarice and greed that's inside of us, the, the hunger to try and have more, to, to gain more because we need to become more? What if you could just be content with who you are and what you have? You see, Jesus is actually presenting to us, in the midst of the commandments, he's presenting a vision of what life actually looks like when we're free from fear, when we are no longer caught in this endless desire to fill the emptiness that's inside of us. There's that beautiful line in the prophet Isaiah where it speaks about the coming of the Messiah, saying, prepare the way of the Lord. Let every mountain be laid low and every valley be filled in. What God's basically saying there is that he will do the work. We just have to prepare the way. The Christian journey is not about us striving and fighting through gritted teeth. It's about us opening the door. It's about us learning how to receive. It's simply about giving God permission to enter in. The only word you really need to know to become a saint is the word yes. A, a yes of surrender, the, the, the same yes that Mary made when she said to the Lord, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, let it be done unto me according to thy will. Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom come into the midst of my broken and wounded and chaotic heart and take over. Cast out all the chaos and evil that is inside of me. That's simply all we need to do. You know, so when Jesus says, the kingdom of God is in your midst, repent and believe the good news. He's basically saying, turn away from your love of the chaos and start to welcome in your Redeemer. Allow him to come into those places which you can't heal, you can't fix. Let him do it for you.
So the key part of the spiritual life, as I say, is about learning how to receive the King into our hearts. Learning how to receive the love of God, which heals and transforms into us. And as much as this sounds easy, it is probably the hardest thing you'll ever do. Because it is really difficult to receive love, as I'll try and explain in the next few episodes. One of the fascinating things is that that this is a universal trait. Very early on in the pontificate of Pope Francis, he actually said this in one of his audiences, where he says it's a universal reality that it is easier to love than it is to be loved. I heard the same sentiment echoed in an interview I was reading some years back of of a man who had grown up in a very difficult childhood. His father had been very violent and angry. His mother had been an alcoholic. He had lived a life of deep trauma. And as the person was interviewing him, they said, now that you are married and now that you have children, does your childhood experience stop you from being able to love? And this man said very clearly, absolutely not. If anything, it compels me to try to make sure that my kids don't experience the same thing. I find myself going the extra mile trying to love other people. But then the interviewer asked him and said, does your childhood experience make it difficult for you to receive love? And very quickly this man said, yes, I find it almost impossible to let myself be loved. And that I think sums up the human experience. As we have experienced the effects of other people's sin, our hearts become closed and hardened. We, we start to put up all sorts of defensive walls, either because we don't trust or we just don't feel like we're worthy. And it's that hardness of heart which means that if I can't receive love, then I'm eventually going to run out of love. And despite my best efforts to be good and to try and heal those around me, I'm just going to end up perpetuating the same violence. I'm going to pass on the same hurt. So how do Christians start to look more redeemed? How do Christians start to look a little bit more like the Christ that they follow? We need to learn how to be loved. We need to learn how to allow the kingdom of heaven to enter in, this gift of God's healing mercy and grace. How does that break through all these years of hurt and defensiveness? In this next episode, I want to just take you through a very simple method of prayer to try to explain to you how love actually works. Maybe if you could call it the science of love how we go through a simple process, which most of the time we're not even conscious of. But if you can be conscious of it, you can start to break down that defensive wall. So my encouragement between now and the next episode, just to take some time, be aware of the state of your own heart. Just to ask yourself the question, how easily do you receive love? Or how quickly do you react out of defensiveness or rejection or that desire to protect yourself 
Where are the areas in your life where you need the power of the Redeemer and the coming of the kingdom?